Welcome to another episode of I'm Chris the Down One Podcast, episode 90. How you living? I'm living swell. On today's episode, we got a lot, to, a lot of stuff to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is the versus battle over the weekend between Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown. Okay. Now, if you love R&B, particularly in the 90s, you you was well entertained by watching this matchup between Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown. Uh, it first started off with them on... Uh, uh, it first started off uh, a huge uh, well set with uh, two thrones on one side. On one throne is Bobby Brown. The other throne is uh, Keith Sweat. I thought that was pretty good. I thought the presentation was pretty good. And uh, when they started performing, they initially started performing sitting down. And then uh, when they started getting warming up, they started moving around. Bobby Brown uh, tried to uh, dance a little bit here and there. Uh, The one thing I noticed about Bobby Brown is, look, I know... We were in a pandemic and there were no concerts or touring or club appearances or bookings or anything of that nature during the pandemic. I felt like Bobby Brown uh, stamina wasn't that good. Uh, You know, he started sweating uh, on the first song, on the first verse. He started sweating and trying to catch his breath. I felt like he was doing a little bit too much in the beginning you know, hyping the crowd up and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but as the presentation moved uh, along, uh, Bobby Brown was, you know, was signing. Okay. Uh, Keith Sweat, on the other end, it's like Keith Sweat hasn't even aged a bit. Okay. He's still the same Keith Sweat. Now, he can't carry uh, those tunes like he could when he was younger. And, you know... He's he's a, he's he's a lot older now, and uh, people was cautious of that. Uh, but um, he, he did a, I, I mean, he 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 did his best uh, on as far as the versus matchup. Um, Bobby Brown started perform. You know, I thought with this versus battle, I was expecting the unexpected, particularly watching Bow Wow and Soldier Boys uh, last weekend. Well, well, yeah. You know, and I felt like with their versus battle, they were doing way too much trying to out top one another instead of just performing the hits. Um, with Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown, they, you know, it wasn't uh, I'm going to out top you by bringing this person in. I'm going to out top you by bringing that person in. Uh, Bobby Brown didn't have new addition with him. And Keith Sweat didn't have LSG. Um, well, well, John and Gill, uh, you know, Levert has passed, God rest his soul. Um, but Bobby Brown did perform a lot of the older new edition hits when they were kids, like Mr. Telephone Man. Keith Sweat, uh, was playing a lot of hits that he'd written for other artists, like Johnny Kemp just got paid. Whatever happened to Johnny Kemp, by the way? He came out with that one hit and then he just disappeared. Okay, they should do uh, a documentary on Johnny Kemp. I'm pretty sure they have done one. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, Keith Sweat was a hellified writer and written a a lot of great uh, smash hits, okay, for other artists. 
as well as himself. One thing I, I want to say about Keith Sweat is it, he had this peculiar walk, okay? He would walk back and forth the stage. I don't know if he was trying to. It was like he was doing the pimp walk and his head would just bob along with it. It was like a bobblehead doing a pimp walk. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird and, and, you know, funny a little bit. But, uh, you know... Nevertheless, uh, they they did a they did a banged up performance. Uh, people people paid good money to go see that. That was at the Essence uh, Shindig that what they had, and I thought it was one of the most enjoyable experiences during that whole presentation. Now, they didn't do an I think they did like forty minutes. That's that was close to an hour. Um. They also had uh, Pleasure P and uh, Tank help them perform some of their hits at the end. Okay. Um, it was one of the type of presentations you have to be there. Now, I wasn't there. I watched it on a live stream. A lot of people watched it on a live stream as well. A lot of people were in the comments section uh, saying uh, Keith Sweat won, saying Bobby Brown won. You know, there was with all these comments. I would say in this versus, I'm a fan of both of these guys. Um, I didn't look at it as, as a very competitive versus, and you know where you have to pick a winner. Uh, but if I, if, but if you stick my feet to the fire and say, okay, no, you know, you have to pick somebody. I would give the nod. Uh, to keep sweat, okay. Uh, and b even though Bobby s sung his butt off, I felt like Keith Sweat presentation was 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 pretty good, okay. So, uh, guys, just uh, tell me what you f uh, feel about my opinion about the versus match. Tell me what you liked about it, what you did, what you didn't like about it. Uh, either in the comment section or hit me up on social media, whatever you got to do, okay. Um, on to the next thing. Okay. On to the next one. All right. Um, a lot of states deadlines has came and gone and some of them uh, are ending today with, um, with unemployment, particularly a lot of people during the pandemic, uh, signed up for unemployment, got special, uh, benefits and bonuses because there was unemployed during the pandemic, a lot of people in a lot of cases were making their full salary at their previous job that their job happened to close down and couldn't do business um, in, in the pandemic because a lot of businesses started closing. Uh, slowly but surely, a lot of businesses are opening up and a lot of these businesses are looking for workers because a lot of those workers are not returning to their older jobs. I did talk about a report that, particularly in retail, a lot of retail workers are not going back to their jobs. They're either going to trade school, college, or, you know, searching for better work. And, and there's work to be found, particularly um, uh, after, the, well, I feel like, we really don't know if we done gotten past the pandemic. And I said to myself, 
you could really tell if we're over it or not by after the 4th of July, I have a lot of people got in contact with that they, they got COVID-19. Does, does it spike up? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that, that you know, the reports are going to be coming in and in, in, uh, particularly today. Maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll find out what that happened of, of anybody testing positive for COVID-19. If it's not a huge margin of people that, 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 that got in contact with it, then I feel like we done gotten past uh, COVID-19 because the 4th of July holiday is the biggest holiday. Uh, it's, it's, it's up there with Christmas and Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and see. A lot of people want to party, things of that nature. But anywho... The benefits, the benefit thing, that's a huge uh, situation going on because you have a lot of people haven't been at work for years. Some cases, people haven't been in work longer than that. And now they're being forced to get a job, you know, Uh, and that's the only way we're going to be able to get this economy back up and running again if everybody starts working. Um, you know, there's a lot of factories that need workers, a lot of assembly lines need workers, uh, retail, gas stations. And I feel like these positions are not going to get filled fast or filled up anytime soon. And it's got these corporations thinking of other ways to still get the production going. Um, you know, uh, they may be interested in robots, having robots doing certain jobs, you know, having technology do certain jobs. Um, at Taco Bell, you can just go to the kiosk, order your food, and just wait for your food to uh, wait for somebody to, to uh, bring your food, which, you know, that cuts down in the amount of workers you want to have. And I feel like... Uh, these kiosks are going to be the way how we uh, go to fast food moving forward. I feel like that's going to be the the future. I feel like we can go to retail stores. They're now pushing um, the uh, what uh, customer service lanes where the customers get to scan their own merchandise. I feel like that's going to cut down in people being hired for those positions. Uh, I feel like even in the movie theaters, you know, I feel like it's going to be a situation where there's going to be a machine with a, with a gate and you have to buy a ticket and then that gate opens for that one particular person and it closes. I feel like this is the new, this is going to be the new future for having people do those type of jobs a, a lot of these jobs are, are you know a lot of people do not want to do these jobs okay i remember people would be up in arms about uh immigrants coming to this country and doing uh lawn care doing jobs that we as americans look down at but the job was getting done and no one else wanted to do these jobs. And people got irritated about it, but then it became acceptable. 
And I feel like uh, with technology and tech and and things of that nature, people, uh, you know, express lines where you, the customer, have to scan your own merchandise. I feel like it's a nuisance to some customers, but I don't think it's the majority of customers. Okay, and you know, eventually people are going to fall in line and utilize these things, particularly when there's you know no one that's going to a human that's going to be uh, servicing you. And this is going to be our new future moving forward. And I feel like this we was going to get to this conclusion anyway. But I felt like the pandemic really sp- sped things up. Um, but people are not in a huge demand to look for a job. You know, there's going to be uh, people in the cracks that are going to try to stretch this out a little longer. Uh, but unfortunately we have to get everyone back to work and everybody's not really in a rush to go to work. You have to remember a lot of people have been out of work for like a year. You know, after a while you're accustomed to certain things, you was just accustomed of just waking up every morning whenever you wanted to wake up and, uh, you know, watch prices, right. Or whatever. And, uh, you know, you get to. Wake up whenever you want to. You can go to bed whenever you want to. Now, these people, there's no excuse for you not to uh, be looking for a job. You had the COVID-19 thing. And I felt like a lot of people, when they were rushed, when everyone had issues about the mask, you know, everybody wanted to be done with the mask. Everyone was in a rush for these masks. Everyone was rushing for a vaccine. Now we have the vaccine. Now we have the da- the data. Now we have technology working in our favor. Uh, it, it sped things a lot faster. And we're out and under this pandemic determining what type of numbers we're going to get uh, from the 4th of July. But now there are no excuses for you not to be working. Okay? Unless uh, it's a medical issue. A psychological issue. Other than that, uh, <laughs> the real reality is we're all going to have to get back to work. Okay, so that's all I want to talk about. That, um, let me see. Um, uh, I want to talk about this, and uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm going to have time talking about this. The way I want to talk about this, but um, there were some comments, an audio of Rachel Nichols talking about Maria Taylor and basically implied that the reason why Maria Taylor gotten the job in the first place is because ESPN wanted to accommodate the social justice movement, movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh the uh, the audio itself is very damaging for Rachel Nichols and it's it's to a point where she's going to have to respond to this audio cuz it doesn't paint her in the best of light and she's going she got a lot of explaining to do now Maria Taylor I did a video on Maria Taylor I don't think I talked about her on my podcast, but I did a video on Maria Taylor talking about 
her wanting Stephen A. money. Apparently, she wants to make $8 million a year. She, uh, on one of the negotiations between her and ESPN, ESPN was willing to give her $5 million. That was before the pandemic. She betted against the market. And she felt like she was going to get more than $5 million. And she should have been paying attention to her surroundings, particularly the beginning stages of the pandemic. Because when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were, a lot of corporations and companies were taking huge losses, huge L's during the pandemic. And the entertainment category was taking a tremendous loss during the pandemic. Movie theaters had to shut down. Um, you know, television and movie sets had to close down. Uh, production, particularly entertainment, had to close down due to COVID-19. And everyone had to refigure and rebrand themselves, sort of, moving forward. And Maria Taylor should have took that $5 million because that's her has been her best out offer so far. Then they've been back on the negotiating table and the most I the uh, what they're saying ESPN has offered her is two million two to three million dollars. That's far less to that's far less than the five million dollars that they offered her before the pandemic. Um and the reason why ESPN is offering is offering her less is because Disney has really tightened the purse straps of ESPN because normally ESPN would just blow money fast. They would overpay everybody just to stay at ESPN. Maria Taylor is a uh, a talented individual. Uh, her name alone, uh, just having her on ESPN, she reaches a certain demographic that other personalities don't have at the Worldwide Leader of Sports. But I feel like uh, ESPN can't get can't give her the sun and the moon and the stars and she's gonna have to if she wants to stay at espn she's gonna have to be making far less than five million dollars two million dollars could be the high point a meal could be the low point and she's just gonna have to accept that offer unless there's a better offer from another network and you know fox sports one has been tightening their uh purse straps now maria taylor is the type of personality where uh, if she goes to like a news network or something like that, she's going to fit perfectly in that because uh, that's really Maria Taylor's lane. She wants to talk. She she wants to talk more than just sports. Um, you know because you know she feels like she has a lot to bring to the table other than being uh, a sports personality. Now, if you've been following, um. The moves ESPN has made, letting uh, laying off a lot of people, particularly Fox Sports One. It really started with Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock played; he he betted against the market. Jason Whitlock felt like he was worth this amount of money. Fox Sports One says, "No, fam, you're worth that type of money," and he turned it down. He went to Outtake, which I thought was kind of funny and peculiar because Outtake would run on Fox Sports 1 radio programming, okay? Um, now, recently, Outtake has been removed from Fox Sports 1. 
I don't know if Jason Whitlock still works there. I'm pretty sure he does work there. Uh, I think he's, he lives in Nashville. He used to live um, in Los Angeles. Then he moved to Nashville. And he's been on a lot of content providers that do YouTube, being a guest on uh, their podcast or on their live streams, things of that nature. And I said a year ago, Everyone should check out what ESPN and Fox and Fox Sports One is doing. They're 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 on a budget, okay. They're both of these networks are hemorrhaging money, okay. I feel like the only real big contract Fox Sports One have signed thus far is Skip Bayless, okay, because Skip Bayless can play against the market because he do. If Fox Sports 1 shorts him, he could probably go back to ESPN and uh, sign a big, uh, sign the same similar deal that he's got at Fox Sports 1. Now, there was an opportunity where Skip Bayless could have went back to ESPN and ESPN had a plan where they wanted to spike the numbers up at ESPN Plus utilizing... Stephen A. Smith and Stephen and um, Skip Bayless, and they was going to showcase them on ESPN Plus, as well as a multitude of other things like the NBA Finals, uh, UFC, the Super Bowl, things, Monday Night Football. They were going to have these guys everywhere, and they was willing to allow uh, Skip Bayless to uh, travel and still do undisputed. Okay, they was willing to do that, and they was gonna pay him some 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 decent coin doing that, and he could still make the coin on Fox Sports One. And you know, Skip Bayless is a lot older now. You know, maybe if this would have came to, if this would have fell to Skip Bayless' lap maybe 10, 15 years ago, he probably would have accepted it and tried it and attempted for at least one contract. But Skip Bayless has always been a a guy that. Uh, if he has to move on, he'll move on, okay? Because there's a huge demand for Skip Bayless, all right? So he turned that down, took the offer at Fox Sports 1, and I told y'all since day one that there's going to be ricochets from that deal, and Shannon Sharp's contract is up this summer, so we're going to have to wait and see what Fox Sports 1 do with him, I don't think he's going to get Stephen A. money. I don't think Shannon Sharp's going to get uh, Skip Bayless money. Okay. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what type of money he is going to be offered at Fox Sports 1. And is he going to is he going to bet against the market? We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, if it's not the type of numbers he wants. Uh, I don't know what type of numbers uh, Shannon Sharp wants. But back to Maria Taylor... She betted against the market and she lost. So um, either she goes back to ESPN for less or she just goes someplace else. And a lot of people are killing the messenger and really not dissecting the message. Everyone is hammering, is hammering Rachel Nichols. Um, you know, calling her this, calling her that. Um, 
but is there a, a length of truth in her message and her converse and and her opinion of Maria Taylor? Is there an ounce of truth in that? There is some truth of what she's saying. Okay. And ESPN has been doing this since the beginning of ESPN. Okay. Trying to reach certain demographics, certain communities, um, certain lifestyles, things of that nature. Seem like everyone seems to forget Ben Miller, or is it Ben Stiller? I think it was Ben Miller. He was a comedian. ESPN hired him, and I probably butchered his name. I apologize. ESPN hired him to do Monday night to be the host of Monday Night Football. Why? Because ESPN was trying to reach a different demographic, a different ear, uh, particularly in entertainment and uh, in comedy. You know, he's been on Saturday Night Live, things of that nature, and they just wanted that demographic to watch Monday Night Football. He was terrible as an analyst, particularly on sports. Uh, he, he, he was just that terrible. But they, they, they were willing to roll the dice. And now they got, uh, and now they got egg on their face. They had to let him go because of some comments he said on a Monday night show. And it just did not work out. It, they didn't reach the demographics that they wanted to reach. So they let go of him. Okay, people seem to forget. Uh, um, oh my God! And I forgot him uh, uh, that fast as well. Oh my God! What was that guy's name on ESPN? Will Kane. Woo! That name took a long time for me to come out. All right, Will Kane. Everyone seemed to forget that ESPN hired Will Kane. And they hired Will Kane not because he was the most knowledgeable person in sports. It was the fact that ESPN wanted to reach a certain demographic, which is the Republican, the uh, you know the liberal uh, demographic. They put him on ESPN. He's been on First Take. He had it on radio show. They they you know they, they thought they could reach this certain demographic, and when it crashed and burned, they let go of Will Kane, and that's pretty much what they have done with. Uh, Michelle Beadle, Carrie Champion, uh, you know, uh, I forgot the other girl's name. Oh my God, I had her name. She used to, uh, to be the host of the 6 p.m. Sports Center with Michael Smith. I know a lot of people are going to say, say her name, but that's fine. But anywho, they were trying to reach certain demographics, not because these and, and they wanted to keep these people at, at ESPN, not because they're the most knowledgeable person, because they were bringing other assets to the table other than being knowledgeable about sports. OK, and they let these uh, personalities walk and go. All right. Now, let's look at Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor is knowledgeable about sports. Hell, she was the host of college football. She made her rounds at ESPN. She's she's knowledgeable about sports, even though she has said some a lot of flaky stuff about certain topics uh, in the sports world. But that's neither here nor there. But she didn't get the gig at ESPN because she that contribute to why she got the gig at ESPN. But mainly what 
what won her over at, at well, what why ESPN hired her is not only because of her knowledge of sports, is because you have to take an account of her being attractive is one of the reasons why she gotten the job in the first place and for them to reach a certain demographic, a certain audience to please them. The woke movement, Black Lives Matter, social injustice movement, and she was a strong believer of that. And that's why ESPN ultimately hired her. Not because she was the most a knowledgeable person about sports. Cause I'm pretty sure in the interview sessions, there were like seven to 10 other people that was knowledgeable on that particular subject. But ESPN chose her because the other things that she's bringing to the table, you have to have more on the table than just being knowledgeable about sports. Is that a crime? What ESPN did? No. That's just the way how business is. If you ever go to if you ever go to a restaurant, check out the waiters and the waitresses. You can tell the ones who make the huge tips and the ones who who make far less uh, or just not making tips at all. It's it's always the attractive ones. It's always the ones that have those quote-unquote special body features we're not gonna go into it but y'all know who it is y'all know what i'm talking about that get the coin that gets the moolah that gets the money particularly on tips and people and customers prefer these waiters and waitresses because they feel like they're friends you know with a male customer reason why customers would, would gravitate to him more because uh they you know he, he has a witty sense of humor a personality uh he's charming he, he's the type of person that's knowledgeable about certain areas that you are that that you like and that's why you prefer having that waiter uh wait on you particularly at a restaurant same way with a female as well as that female being attractive you have to bring more to the table instead of being knowledgeable. Being a knowledgeable person, only get half of your foot in the door. If you want to go all the way through the door, you have to bring other assets to the table. Okay? And, you know, that's all I got for today's podcast. Guys, tell me what you think. Rate, comment, subscribe. Follow me and support me on Spotify uh, Google Plus, iTunes. It's your boy, the host with the most. I'm up out of here. Outro.